The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sustained wealth does require action from us. So spirit can take us to the door, can open the door, can encourage us. It's only an invitation to walk through the door. A lot of people don't walk through the door because it's scary. Often they might have to put their neck out there. Uh, They might have to ask an angel investor for something or, or do this idea or you know, just do something that isn't, that they perceive is something that they would quote unquote never do or never be capable of. But spirit's always going to be dream bigger for us than we can dream for ourselves. But it's up for up to us to, to actually do the work, the legwork. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Becali. Good to see you back here on Mentory TV. And today we're going to get very spiritual. Folks that have been following my channel know by now that I'm not your, you know, normal kind of person that just goes through life like a zombie. But I try to be conscious, conscientious, and I do believe in energy. So uh, as to say, angels is certainly something we should talk about. And today I have Corinne Grillo on the show. Now she is a best-selling author. Her first book that came out was called The Angel Experiment. And today we're going to talk about this book. She uh, released a few months ago called Angel Wealth Magic, Simple Steps to Hire the Divine. I like that one, Corinne. And unlock your miraculous financial flow. Corinne, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody that wants to know a little bit more about you can find you on your website. You're also a trained psychologist, you're a marriage counselor, you're a family therapist. There's so many you know, aspects to you, which is wonderful, which is basically in the realm of self-development and developing uh, other people for their own good. So welcome to Mentor TV. Uh-huh. Thanks so much for having me. Such an honor to be here with you. Well, listen, Corinne, um, looking not only at your book, but also at you um, doing my research, seeing you also online, um, you're very present, which I think is super cool, the conversations you have and also your own your own um, own shows you put out there. I would like to know, how how did you get where you are right now as a person? Yeah. um, Well, that's a very complicated question. However, it's quite simple at the same time. Um, I got here through a series of torturous events uh, in my early life, I would say. Um, I struggled a lot. And, uh, and the real, I turned a real corner when I encountered the angels and it very much wasn't an encounter um, where so when that encounter happened, I witnessed a miracle. And from that point, it was like leaving one world and stepping into another. And so what happened for me, you know, whereas before I struggled with extreme levels of depression, had a pretty rough go in my early life. And uh, um, yeah, when the angels entered, it was as if there was a it just opened up a road to new possibilities. Mm. And I started hearing a a different voice inside of me kind of encouraging me to live life differently and to do different things. And some of those things were very provocative, like um, 
talking about angels instead of just being the average psychotherapist, right? So that was a very big uh, change. But slowly but surely, I came out of the angel closet, the spiritual closet. And and when I did, it literally, you know, it's been miracle after miracle since that first miracle. So I, you know, where I stand today is is just supremely mind-blowing if I, if I really stop and let myself take it in. Mm. What I find interesting here is already what you said, there's so much to unpack and to delve into. You know, when you say you, you were depressed or you were at a very difficult um, moment in your life, as far as I gather, you actually had a life. Yeah, you you already were a trained psychologist. You had a family. You had, I guess, a day to day routine. But behind that, not everything was okay. Which was also, of course, uh, partly, I guess, due to the experiences you had maybe as a child, as a teenager, that led you to this kind of feeling. Even though you were functioning, it wasn't really yeah. you. Yeah, it, it, and I think like so many of us who are really wear a good public mask, but and we're doing our best to grind through it, white knuckle through it, do the right thing. Um, and, you know, all I had back then was the formula that was given like, okay, your secret to joy and happiness is marriage, children, you know, get a career. So, I, you know, I did my best and I did pretty good considering what, you know, was my early 20s. And I mean, I was... Yeah, it was a hot mess. So I eventually found my way into what many would call a a life. Um, but there was a, a darkness um, that I struggled with uh, because of the, you know, the the shadow essentially that followed me that I, I was not necessarily addressing. So mm-hmm. um, I think when you live with a heart that's kind of locked or a mind that's kind of locked towards the negative, you just get used to it. And it becomes like I, like a walking zombie. And uh, a lot of us don't know we're in that state until something happens, until we find we get relief. And that is what happened for me. It was like a lightning bolt. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt joy and happy. And I didn't loathe my life every morning when I woke up, whereas before I would just like really not want to go into the day um, when when I when this authentic relationship with spirit formed, which was nothing I was counting on or expecting. I'm not a religious person. Uh, yeah, it was a game changer. Yeah, no, that I find super interesting, and I totally, totally can empathize with it. And, you know, you always think maybe it's just a phase when you wake up and you actually have that darkness to you, you have that emptiness, or you you wake up out of lack, not, you know, of, out of anything, mm-hmm. even though around mm-hmm. you everything functions, and you make Everybody's sure everything fine. functions, and mm-hmm. you just say, hey, what is wrong with me? You know, what yeah. am I complaining about? You know, I've got a husband, I've got kids, I'm this, I've got, a, I've got friends, they love me all, and still... When you are then by yourself, you go like, okay, this is all just some, something is missing. Okay. Something, yeah. Something yeah, is something missing. missing. And, and what I thought was interesting about your story is, you know, when you are, I, I can imagine, I think when I'm in this moment of darkness or where I'm going like, okay, this is all not worth anything. Um, I ask myself, why is this? What's going on? Okay. And I do say, okay, please, I need some help wherever it is from. And I try to auto generate, uh, auto generate the energy to fill this up. So, um, I'm lucky that I don't mood shift through drugs. Never got into that too much of a control freak. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, okay, this is even worse. Good for you. Good for you. At least I was controlling my darkness. I I was not that lucky. Yeah, I was not that lucky. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for that I'm also too stingy. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. So much money for drugs? No. <laughs> oh my god. No way. Yeah. No way. I'm too much of an economist there. Uh, good for you. <laughs> Good for you. No, I was like drinking, drugging. I did all the drugs. I even landed in jail for a few days, like in my 20s. Yeah, I, I went through it all. I was oh going God. through the grinder. Yeah. Just as a little bracket in between, how did how did your family, how did your parents handle that or handle you in your 20s? I know you're grown up, you're an adult, but still. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably the crux of why I was struggling. My mom died when I was a teenager. And I was not in contact with my father. We weren't close at that time. We Our relationship has mended 
supremely at the, you know, now these days. So I didn't have anybody keeping an eye on me for a while. And uh, when my mom died, it was really abrupt. So yeah, I just went into, and before then I, you know, was doing really great in school and things like that. But yeah, I, you know, when you realize there's no one there to perform for. That's hard. uh, Yeah. So I remember the first time I did, (laughs) of all things, it was uh, crystal meth. And it was about a year after my mom died. And for me, it was salvation in a way, because it was the first time I didn't feel anything. And uh, it took the pain away. And uh, so, so, so yeah, that, that kind of got me on this really weird journey. Um, But I still managed to get through UCLA. I I still managed, um, but yeah, it got really dark for a while. Yeah, well, you know, and you were lucky because usually these synthetic drugs, you take them once and that's it. You're pretty much done, they yeah. say. You know, this yeah, is yeah. me, me, hearsay. I know. Hearsay. But I think this is amazing. And having lost my own mother, uh, you know, as a 50-year-old, basically a year and a half ago, what leg, you know, you feel then and, and how it rips your heart. I cannot imagine what it's like when one is a teenager and goes goes through that. So I that explains mm-hmm. a lot. It doesn't excuse yeah. it, of course, as <laughs> one would say as a mother or whatever, but it does explain yeah. a lot. But what I thought was interesting, and I also have that tendency, is when I am in this dark moment the last person not having anybody last person i would turn to is my partner because i just don't want to overload even though that that's your natural family then yeah yeah i mean there's only so much that our partners could do and i always minimized probably even to myself because i just felt like well i'll get through it and i had a daughter at the time too so you know you just doing the right thing and my clients were also kids kids off the streets and stuff so so you know i, I kept it alive but i kept it miserable and alive mm. now what, what i thought was and now we come to your miracle and i want to understand what a miracle is i don't know everybody says okay it's a miracle it's a miracle people going uh-huh and do you believe in miracles yes or not because as far as i understand from your from your journey it was actually a friend that saw your depression just suggesting hey do you want to talk to somebody that that can kind of help you on a different energetic level right yeah well actually she didn't even know that I was struggling but during my uh it was during a birthday she bought me an angel reading uh and I didn't know what that was and I wasn't even sure if angels were real I've always been kind of open-minded to to that you know it's possible but I didn't like know if angels were real and so um, the person at the end, she said, Hey, you know, just, uh, it was a great session. I felt lighter. I felt brighter and I could feel tingles and stuff, but she said, the angels really want to talk to you. So talk to the angels as if they're real and just ask them to show you. And so that's what I did. And then, uh, yeah, the miracle I actually witnessed was a few days after that, where, um, uh, the bird, I saw a bunch of synchronicities, but even that wasn't enough for me back then to be like, you know, cause there's always that reasonable doubt and I'm a very practical, logical person. So, um, but it was still fun, but yeah, um, essentially I was driving through the hood in Los Angeles, going to a client's house and a bird fell from the sky, dropped in the middle of the street. And, uh, and it had a broken wing as I started driving around it. And I, I, wasn't didn't pray a bunch but I was in the process of talking to angels so I said hey angels you know help to help this bird I'm not going to get out in the middle of the hood and you know I don't know anything about birds either plus I'm going to be late to my clients so yeah I drove around the bird prayed for it asked them to take it out of its suffering and then as I drove around it I looked in the rearview mirror and something told me to stop I kept on watching the bird and as I watched that bird it transformed uh, into uh, one tiny bird jumped out of the body of that bird, then a second, and then a third. Three birds jumped out of the body of that bird, small birds. So the first bird was about pigeons, pigeon size, and then the three birds that flew out of it were about two or three inches each uh, large. So as I watched that, I looked on the ground and the bird ha- was totally gone. And so at that stage, I did get out of the car <laughs> just to make sure I saw what I saw. And then I felt this incredible love wash over me, um, like goosebumps, almost like static electricity. And the love that I experienced was not normal love beyond human, just profound. 
And uh, that was the miracle, the first miracle. That's what I just, I saw with my own eyes. Um, it was broad daylight. I wasn't high on anything. Uh, and, uh, and I, you know, from that day is really when my heart changed. Um, and then it took me a while to kind of really process what happened. And, and because I'm a therapist, I know better than to talk about that because people would have me hospitalized. So uh, my friends would have me hospitalized as therapists themselves. So, uh, so yeah, when I say miracle, I actually mean it, it was a miracle. And, uh, and the, but the biggest miracle was what happened inside of me from that point. Yeah. What I find amazing is that, um, in that moment you were actually corresponding with angels but did you actually ask for hey give me a sign so i move out of the realm of belief which always leaves room for doubt into the realm of i know because if you know then there's no doubt if you know you know yeah uh it's not belief system anymore for me uh but <clears throat> i did not ask that day, show me a sign. But those the previous three days, because it had been about three days since I saw that woman, I was seeing, you know, in the beginning, I was like, show me your reel. And then I would see a laundry truck drive by saying, you know, angels laundry service with big wings on the side. So there was communication, but that was the doubt. But I still was having fun and I felt lighter already. I felt something. Um, but, you know, I was just at the beginning of my journey. But I think, yeah, uh, it, it was definitely taking it to the next level. <laughs> I saw the bird situation, uh, which is, yeah, over the years, you know, in the beginning, I, I was trying to kind of keep it close to me, not trying to bring it into my sessions. But I would be talking to these people one on one and feel the angels come in and then start hearing messages. And, you know, it's awkward having to hold it back because I'm still trying to be so traditional as a therapist. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was a process, but beautiful. And uh, I didn't know why it happened like that. But as I look back now, it seems a little more obvious, mm. you know, why I, I needed a big smack across my head to uh, you know, cosmic awesome smack across my head to to really inspire me to to anchor more deeply into my soul and to start listening, listening more it, clearly. So maybe that was what you were saying that darkness was just something like uh, that wanted to be listened to and not ignored or yeah. away or something. What I, yeah. what I like what you were saying is, and I think this is the uh, really interesting part is actually the miracle was not the bird. Okay, it's almost like, okay, it triggered something within you, which was this yeah. tingling all over some sort of energy flow, be it from underneath mm. up or the other way down, which, yeah. which you know, I had this kind of experience, so I can, can uh, yeah. relate to what it is, and it's awesome. I mean, that's another drug for itself. <laughs> you know, if you have that feeling all the time. Pretty much, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Good. Pretty good, but pretty um, darn good. Pretty, pretty darn good. <laughs> pretty darn good. If it happens, you go like, okay, I want some more, and it's not that easy. But you know, taking this a little bit deeper, you know, this uh, believing because you also look at. We all have that uh, intuition. We all have that divine side. We all have that what you know the, the jargon calls the sixth sense. But mm -hmm. it's something that is not necessarily always required by our society or how we have to function. It's not necessarily what fits into the way the mo of our world. Yes. So in in your role, because you now are open, you are basically not only receiving, but you can also channel as far as i understand from your work you can also invite the angels in and then you know help whoever you are in the session with but but how does it really how does it really then impact your clients how can you really say to them you know you can feed your intuition and it is okay and you actually have to listen to it yeah you have to um i mean it's definitely optional but the good invitations come through our intuition so if we don't know how to feel sense or experience that voice or learn how to build confidence in it and trust it then our lives can um, take on a different tone um but yeah the the intuition for me is key and that was one of the real first things that expanded uh, for me, because like I said, I could always hear my tyrannical voice on the inside, but the soft and gentle one that was inviting me towards more joy, more happiness, more inspiration 
that one was a little stifled. And uh, it's still the most quiet voice. So it does take practice to engage with that aspect of ourselves. But I do believe, you know, a lot of our suffering is, uh, I wouldn't, it's definitely not self-imposed, but it's a way that our soul gets our attention until we try to do things differently, whatever those things are. And I do believe we all have our own special recipe. And our problem is that we're following everyone else's recipe. So I followed the general recipe of marriage, good job, children, house. And it created a lot of suffering and tension and pressure because I was not I was doing things from the outside in versus from the inside out. Yeah, no, I, I this is, I think, uh, exactly what I was trying to get to. Just because everything works around does not mean that it actually comes from the inside and is a from genuine expression, exactly, a genuine expression of what you feel in that moment, even though it's objectively speaking the right thing. Are you still married? Uh, I am. Uh, I am. However, <laughs> it's a very interesting situation because I also have a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> it must be an angel. <laughs> it must be an angel. Okay. I will, I, sorry for being indiscreet because I, I wonder, you know, it, having maybe an inner development uh, also causes ripple effect. You know, if I change the entire system around me, changes. If I do, if everything adjusts or not or falls apart, this is what I'm asking. I did shift everything. And the thing is, is that I was under serious duress when I came to grips with the fact that my marriage wasn't functioning the way that I would love for it to, especially at this stage with two children. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to kind of talk about publicly because people have an idea of what angels are. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's not a religious thing. For me, it is about owning all that we are. What it, the angels and what spirit has always taught me is owning who you are and showing up authentically um, without blame and working through your shame and guilt and asking for what you need. And so um, what has happened with my marriage is its own miracle because through that process of really reclaiming my authentic nature and asking for what I needed um, and doing it in a way that was very, uh, I would say, non-projecting onto my husband as if it was his fault, uh, but engage this entire conversation, these beautiful conversations with, with our marriage and uh, so essentially, we live on the same street, uh, and uh, he's right down the street. I live with my boyfriend, and we are kind of um, collaborative. So my husband and I don't have a romantic relationship, but I've known him since I was 15. So he's family. Yeah. So we we found what I love about spirit is when it comes to any situation in our lives, and when it and when we're working with our intuition, any situation in our lives can be resolved in that unique recipe that only we can do or we know. So divorce wasn't an option for us because he's, again, he's my family. (laughs) So you don't divorce. I mean, you can divorce family, but not my style because I love him so much. But there was these portions of our marriage that wasn't working. So we kept what was good and kind of worked with, you know, worked with what wasn't good. I guess. Um, so, wow, wasn't expecting to talk about this yeah. today, but I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, I, I love this because I think this is just shows like a certain type of evolution, you know, and it, it it's not to be judged because what works for some people may not for others. And that's yeah. fine. And I, not- I de- yeah, I don't recommend it unless you are called to it. Okay, exactly. uh- <laughs> and you have the elements playing along because in this case, it's it takes three to tango. To have this yes, happen. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It worked because uh, my husband and we are both the people that we are. And uh, we, we, we knew that if we were going to, you know, pursue other romantic bonds, that uh, it would be just have to be really ethical and clear that family is the most important and and uh, my husband is my family. No, so. ab- absolutely. And I, I I love that concept. I, I live in a patchwork myself, so I am the second wife. But for me, I always say that, you know, I kiss 
the feet and uh, in awe of uh, my husband's ex-wife because she created him the way he is and he's perfect Aww. for me so you know mm -hmm. and they've also been you know together since they were 16 before I entered the yeah. and and she will always be also part of my life because she's mm -hmm. part of my husband's life and unless you are open-minded about this yeah, that there is, you know, that family's family and also having children together, then you don't enter in it. Okay. Then it's uh, just a, a taboo, right? Patricia, um, you're so wonderful. You're wonderful. I love that you're, you're, you know, you're open to that. It, I just feel like we have to create new systems for us, all, for, for us all and, and be more open-hearted about these things. And I think we, there's been a lot of trauma around the conversations around, uh, divorce or, you know, all, all of this stuff. And it's up to each of us to open up new pathways of love. Yeah, know, no, for... no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I yeah. think integrating somebody's story, including the people, you know, in their journey, in their story is a form of love. You know, mm -hmm. you cannot just say, okay, I take you, but I don't take your daughter. I don't take your ex-boyfriend. I don't take, I don't know. Exactly. It's a package deal. I'm sorry. And I know. And sometimes it's a heavy package. And then you're still up for a decision. But you said just something which, which I liked very much, the authentic self. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that, you know, the, the conversation with the angels and, and, and we are going to go more into, into the book. The authentic self. Now, that is an interesting evolution because at least from my side, you know, because you try also, you're told you have to fit in somehow. If you want to get somewhere, you know, you need to play the rules, you know, you have to have the rules and you put away a lot of that authentic self. Call it intuition, call it just the way you were when you were just born and you were full of, you know, a little baby full of brown fat rather than white fat, you know, <laughs> good fat rather than the bad fat, whatever. Um, and then lose the connection to the authentic self. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. My question is, do you connect to your authentic self first before you then can connect potentially to the angels, to those energies that help you? Or is it the other way around? Yeah, I think it's the other way around. I, I, I think what a my understanding in, in working with angels and also looking at how folks have worked with them historically, how mystics and seekers have worked with them historically, is that there is a belief that uh, angels open you up to your life mission, your life purpose. So I believe in working with angels and uh, just kind of saying, hey, I know you're here, help me. What you know, the way that they help you is because they under you know they they see your essence, and so there's this encouragement to move in certain directions that are going to liberate you, liberate your soul, uh, and also kind of point out where we're living out of out of alignment. So I found it to be re reverse. You don't have to. I definitely was not embodying my essence when I encountered angels. They came to me at a time that was I was least likely, I would say, to mm -hmm. experience angels. So um, I think they help open up our hearts to who we are and help us drop the conditioning, help us see through the lies of some of the conditioning that we have so that we can realize that we are creating constantly we're co-creators and this life is like this light lump of clay that we can really shape in any beautiful direction um that we like with the right kind of support so i found creating allyship is uh, with the spirit world is a very practical choice not an impractical or woo-woo choice it's practical very magical and it helps uh, um, really mi mysteriously align life with beauty, but we have to take risks. I just want to say that the intuitive path is not an easy path. We have to take risks, make bids for power, and be willing to move in um, radical new directions to align, to find that contact, to find that illumination, and to stay in the, that spotlight, that inner spotlight. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and as you were alluding to before, it takes a lot of courage because anybody you talk to, the sub, you know, the issue of oh, I'm talking to angel go, goes like, uh huh, all yeah. right, here we go. I'm supposed <laughs> to handle this, and you know, most people are just not clued up, even to themselves. Never mind to any kind mm -hmm. of spiritual energies. But you know, talking a little bit about the experiences, and I'm and I'm quite sure that somebody has seen you, we call it serendipity or not. When mm -hmm. my mom passed about a year and a half ago, 
the day, you know, the whole she was cremated, she was gone, and I had to do something in the house where she was, um, well, she was, she was gone. And on that day, um, Corinne, I saw so many number plates with a triple digit uh, number, like an angel number. Was it 888-666? So the first one said, I said, okay, that's an angel here. And I knew it was angel numbers, but I wasn't into the subject at all. And oh, okay, there's a four, four, oh, okay, there's an 888. And I was like, oh my God, that's so many. So I started taking snapshots. I said, oh my God, I have to put a photograph. You have to. You oh, have to. I know. What's going on? And it's just too many that I see sometimes one or two a day. I go like, okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. But it was, I think, I think we ended up at 17 on that day in those three <laughs> hours that I was going running around. I'm like, oh my God. So that is the first experience I've had. And then uh, I'm also going to have Lorna Byrne on the show. I don't know if you know her, Angel in My Hair. Uh, no, okay. but this, so sweet. Yeah, no, but this is an interesting one because she's um, she is actually somebody that was born seeing angels as she mm-hmm. describes. And she was also taken as slightly cuckoo because as a child, she was running around, always looking around because she was yeah. seeing these energies in colors and shapes and forms that she started communicating and people were taking her as a little bit, you know, dim until she kind of found out what she actually, what, what she was all about. So before I read your book, I read her book and she has a, okay, if you don't know, just ask before you go to sleep, ask for an angel to appear. And it might not be straight away, but it may come. So I tried it on holiday a couple of weeks ago. And I said, okay, angels, if you exist, you know, make yourself heard somehow. I don't care how. Went to sleep. That night, I woke up with a blast. And, you know, these days, I don't know whether people still know the old-fashioned light bulbs. You know, we we kind of were born in the analog world. Still. Okay, but you didn't have only LED uh, lights and whatever. And I woke up because it was like a little knack, like a little blast. And I was like, <gasps> okay, oh my God, what happened? What happened? Nothing happened, right? And then I looked at my mobile to see what time it was. It was 444. Oh, oh, how funny. Okay, fine. Went to sleep. And the next day I said, okay, I have to research what does 444 actually mean in terms of, you know, which angel it is. And it is, okay, the angels are trying to communicate with you. I was like, where? It's like the ultimate, the ultimate angel number. The ultimate angel number. And I was telling my husband, who is very open to these things. He's extremely religious, but he's very open to spirituality and to energies. And he just thought, wow, what what an experience. But I left it at that. As, uh, at that because I just thought, okay, let's, let's, not, let's not dig any further. But this is the kind of thing where I think, okay, did an angel now say, hi, we do exist, or there's a lot of them around? And what is the difference between the angels that you're mentioning also in your book and the proverbial, um, you know, guardian angel that apparently every one of us has? And a lot of people believe in Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I I feel like with a lot of the angels that I worked with, they are they come from you know the Judaic like mystical side, the ancient angels there. But you know, I I do want to say that the 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 our world is not limited by those that have been named. Um, every tradition all over the world will have different names um, for some of these. So uh, so. I don't know exactly how many uh, there are, and but but like our our guardian angels, I um, because I have studied a lot of traditional high magic, Western high magic, which is very enlightenment focused. How they look at the guardian angel, the holy guardian angel, it's almost as if it's a twin flame in spirit world. And as you call this spirit in. And um, one of the goals would be to integrate with it. Then you become this Christ self and an illuminated self. So this guardian is really yours and and is part of you, but it essentially contains all of those illuminated, eternal aspects of self, your your blueprint, all of those things. Um, so that's how I like to look at guardian angels. Yes, they're, they comfort us. They're there for us. You can really feel and sense your angel with you or within you. Um, and the other angels are there to ally with us, 
as the spirit world is, it can ally with us and support us in in different ways. But the guardian is particularly delightful. Delightful and gives you other type of energy. Because one thing is to believe that you may have these angels that help you, but they don't do the work for you. I think this is where a lot of people (laughs) may think, okay, especially reading, okay, angel wealth magic, great. I'm just calling a couple of angels and all of a sudden I've got a triple, you know, million amount on my on my bank account. Doesn't work like that, does it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't. For for sustained wealth. Okay, so I'll just say specifically for wealth and one of the uh, things that I write about in the book, the system that I created, what I laid out, does attract fast cash. So I've had, I mean, already, I you know, over the, just even since this book's been released, I get people making comments all the time, sending me emails about, oh, I got, you know, $20,000 here, $30,000 here. So that a lot of those did not require the person to do a lot. But when it comes to sustained wealth, and if you really want to embody and live a a financially wealthy life. Now, in the book, I talk about uh, if you're going to attract cash, make sure you want to attract the right kind of cash, right? Cash that opens your heart, that gives you more love, more freedom, you know, based in work or, or activities that help elevate you and others, right? So I talk about that um, as something that is a value that, you know, we, we might want to think about and attract in that way. But sustained wealth does require action from us. So spirit can take us to the door, can open the door, can encourage us. It's only an invitation to walk through the door. A lot of people don't walk through the door because it's scary. Often they might have to put their neck out there. Uh, They might have to ask an angel investor for something or, or do this idea or you know, just do something that isn't, that they perceive is something that they would quote unquote never do or never be capable of. But spirit's always going to be dream bigger for us than we can dream for ourselves. But it's up for up to us to, to actually do the work, the legwork. That's an interesting one because there the the word fear pops into my mind. Okay. Yeah. So um, fear of yourself. So what if I listen to it? Uh, to the angel or to that voice, what does it really entail if I think it through? Okay, because most of the time it seems that actually you do rock the boat because you're not being your authentic self and whatever you may then follow, you know, you, you should be doing from an angel's point of view, you might not do simply because it would just create chaos for the system you're living. It would yes. create potentially your freedom, but that's a different, you know, this is, this is, unknown this is fearful you know yeah and and folks are triggered by a little mystery we want we want the we want a formula we want to know exactly where this path leads and that's what i was saying earlier the intuitive path is is not easy because it's a lot of risk taking um as the entrepreneurial path is it's you know you take risks and things may work out they may not and since we already used this as an example, yeah, that uh, my my marriage and, and really confronting that honestly and authentically and asking for this idea that kept going back and around and around and around and took me a couple of years to actually say it out loud, you know, but uh, but but yeah, a lot of times what we know and where we're guided to go is 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 disruptive territory in our minds. Uh, because like I knew that it might end in divorce um, or that uh, he would not take it well. And he did not take it well in the beginning, but we stayed in conversation. So, and we are both very traditional people, you know, so it was very huge for me to encounter that one. I was, I was uh, challenged and this is, I'm giving you this as an example. You, what you will do in, in order to really get into like living from soul level all of the roles that you play can come up for challenging. So my role as a mother was challenged. What kind of woman or mother am I for wanting to rock the boat here? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I felt it, you know, uh, what kind of wife, what kind of woman am I? And and those were important queries because I had to confront those gatekeepers in order for me 
to learn how to trust my intuition and trust spirit that things were going to work out. And they have worked out way better than both my husband and I being in kind of a miserable marriage and our children having to witness that (laughs) for the last 10 years, you know. And I love that. You know, I really, really love that because all these questions is a couple of things I I need to look at uh, in what you were saying. The first thing is, um, you know, that you say, I am here and I'm doing something that is my authentic self. But, oh, my God, that means I'm a crap mother, a crap I'm wife, a, a crap friend, a crap yeah. whatever you. Turns out I'm really bad. And am I? What would you, yeah. Is this really my authentic self? Do I want to be my authentic self? Do, do you know what I mean? It sounds really awful. Yeah. But we all yeah. go through this. If I really listen to that voice, is this really what I am really all about? Because mm-hmm. what I'm doing is socially acceptable. It is what is expected is what we've all known to as you were saying living the dream as it was Mm -hmm. implanted in us from outside Mm -hmm. from inside so you start you know in the self um, revelation you start going like oh my god this is awful Mm -hmm. yeah pretty much pretty Uh, much uh, yeah and and, and there again there's another thing you have to you know yeah in in a strange way yeah, I mean, it's it's it, in the beginning stages of any, you know, big transition or transformation, it sucks, I, I say. I mean, even when it comes to my career, when I realized that Spirit was inviting me to go more public, more inter, even international, uh, yeah, that was a big no for me in the beginning because I, I considered myself an introvert and shy, okay? And so Spirit, again, guides you the door, they open the door and uh, there's an invitation and many of us misinterpret who we are. We don't know who we are because much of who we have become is based in trauma and protection. So my introversion, quote unquote, wasn't introversion. It was trauma. And the more that I just kind of took these risks more publicly, the more that a light, a feeling, a vibe inside of me, it felt at home, which was shocking to me because I fought tooth and nail, just like I fought tooth and nail to have to have that conversation <laughs> with my with my husband. So it doesn't feel often, it doesn't feel like I know this is the right path. It's a challenge. It's a, it's, it's a test for yourself. Like, who am I going to choose to be, am I, am I, this is one body. You have one chance in this particular body. How do you want to do it? Hey, you want to do it being trapped and imprisoned by other people's ideals? Or do we want to kind of see what happens if I start speaking more publicly about angels? Um, or if I decide that I, that, you know, feeling love is, and romance is important to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. But this is exactly my next question. That was the other part of what you triggered um, earlier. And that is, you know, sometimes you have this spaghetti ball in your head and there is not one voice that you go like, okay, I know what I'm doing. That's the right thing to do, it seems. But then I have this voice and then I have another voice. Mm-hmm. Or is it, is that, is, is it really another voice or is that really just, you know, that you do get confused where you go like, oh, I just don't want this anymore. You continue being in your zombie being because at least that works kind of thing. You know, the, yeah. how do, how do you distinguish if you have really more than one voice or maybe you don't you just think you do you do i i feel like we do i like to see it as we have an inner council of elders and some of them are more cranky and cautious than others uh so you know and then the other ones are like hey you know why not a little more disruptive right um and i always uh these days when i'm helping my intuitive Uh, students or clients, when it comes to up-leveling their own lives, the voices, the voices, the voices, fine, listen to the counsel, but fundamentally, it's always you, right? What do you want? What do you want? And let's get out of this trap of, oh, is this the right thing or the wrong thing? When you're following your deeper heart, your desire, and again, because we're not trained like this growing up, we're not trained intuitively, which we all should be. Children should know that that, that stuff is real and can be very beneficial. <laughs> uh, but uh, but but yeah, the that that voice um, 
I forget where I was going with that one. No, it was just about, you know, developing the, the trusting the intuitive voice. And often yeah. we don't do it because especially up yeah. to our seventh year in life, we just download information. And this is where traumas are created, yeah. you know, for the exactly. rest of your life. And you have to break somehow through. Yeah. So so how I work with folks when it comes to this multiple, multiplicity of options is you hone in internally. You call on your essence, your guardian, your uh, your angelic team, and you really come into contact with your what do you want? Like, what do you, what feels the most um, juicy? Like when you, of course, sometimes it's like, oh, the initial steps are going to be a little hard, but long-term, if you look at it two years from now, is that where you want to be? So your energy, your body's going to kind of get excited about certain things and then your mind's going to want to shut them down. So, so um, so spirit has always guided me to follow my, my, my joy and, but it's my choice. So, uh, and the thing is when it comes to our choice, we can always redirect later, you know? So if it's like, Oh, this is a little, this is not what I was planning on. You redirect, but the goal is to be in motion. So spirit can help you. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I like that, you know, pivoting, changing, something that, yeah. again, people don't don't like to do. I come from the corporate world, and oh my God, change and change management and transition. It's like, oh my God, no, no, no. nobody <laughs> wants it, okay? It always rocks the boat, nobody, nobody really likes it. But I think this, this ability to pivot, and, you know, you have children, I have a daughter, and uh, from, from when she was very little, I always said, okay, you know, uh, follow your heart, take your mind along, but follow your heart first. So when you mm-hmm. when you come into a room and you just feel something is off, something is off. And th- I try to instill that in her with people, with places, with things she does or things she thinks about herself. You know, I mean, this is where all these negative thoughts due to trauma also they need to be managed somehow. But in mm-hmm. any case, I think... Dealing with children already and letting them, letting them into this world of themselves while still having to be a valid part of our society because we cannot all run off to the, you know, to Alaska and fish. Okay. We have to function and we have to make, especially the next generation, this, um, this, this society function, but it needs to be, it's me in it. It's not just me being like a cock in a system and, you know, I'm exchangeable. And I think this is this is something that's this different vibe and energy. We as parents, if we are enlightened, if I may say, need to instill in our children that trust in that gut feeling as basic as it sounds. Yes. And we have to listen to them. We have to understand that they carry, they are carrying extremely powerful medicine inside of them and you know doing our best not to squash it like if they don't want to hug their uncle don't make them hug don't their uncle. make them hug their uncle they, it may it may appear rude at the family thing but let your children they know more than we do <laughs> sometimes i consult with my youngest all the time <laughs> you know, yeah. so her, no, her intuition dialed, dialed in, you know. So, yeah, it's so important for all of us to learn how to retrust or reawaken um, that aspect of us because, yeah, we we often, we know, we have known all along with those with those relationships that were tricky. We knew, could feel yeah. it, but we're like, oh, we got to be nice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is this is exactly it. You know, one day when we are like horizontal and we we have these flashbacks and we're like, you know what, actually, I was kidding myself. Most of the time, I actually knew what was totally. coming somehow. I mean, we do somehow for the wrong stuff. We have the crystal ball, you know, because we kind of <laughs> extrapolate where it's going to end if you continue that road and, you know, have one, you know, one door in the matrix rather than another one. No, totally. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Now, let's let's get a little bit more uh, granular with your book. <laughs> <clears throat> and when I was reading it, I was uh, asking myself, what is the difference between invocation, I think you say that in English, and manifestation? So, because if I invoke something, I go like, oh my God, this is going to be like <laughs> one of those black masses, which I do not buy into. Um, <laughs> what, what, hey, what is the difference? And, you know, take, take us a little bit through the mindset you have to have to then really go through this step-by-step process 
to to hire. I like that to hire, but you're hiring, but you're not paying. I you're just receiving there exactly. the divine energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I like that question about the difference between invocation and manifestation. Uh, yeah, it's a book on magic. So I use words that are kind of aligned with those, those. And I know that those words can be triggering to a lot of people because again, of our conditioning and, uh, you know, people get a little squirmy. Um, but invoking is you know, we're essentially doing it all the time. It's just a matter of doing it consciously. I like to draw uh, the parallel between the difference between invo- invoking and prayer. So people are cool with praying. What they don't realize is that they're invoking. Um, and invocation, though, however, so when people pray, they're praying on, they're they're like, hey, some 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 force outside of me, come to my assistance, please. And uh, when you're invoking, you're acknowledging yourself as part of the creation, part of the creation. So you're welcoming this energy, which uh, in this book, I talk about how the angels, they're inside of us too. Like all of these potencies, you can see them as external beings, but also you can see them as archetypes that exist within uh, our collective unconscious, which means inside of you. So these are potencies or frequencies, energies that live inside of all of us. Some of the doors are kind of shut. And so invocation is, you know, let's say you're invoking Archangel Jophiel, you're bringing that energy, you're inviting that energy to come to life within you, that that energy that represents beauty, um, creativity, uh, and uh, essentially illuminating, lightening any kind of ugly situation. So all religions invoke, uh, but also all people invoke. We're invoking all the time with our thoughts. (laughs) Uh, So doing it consciously towards the positive is a good idea. I like that. So because this shows the intrinsic approach. And that also means if you are conscious, as you were just saying, you can really guide guard and guide your thoughts and hence the energy that you then eventually mobilize that motivates you to go either left or right good or bad or you know yes not at all right exactly so when because when we have anxiety inside of us we're feeling funky depressed Mm. there's there's something inside of us it's it's in us whatever it is so it makes sense to invoke something beautiful as a tonic, as a medicine to come and shift it. That includes, and for this particular book, you, you got money worries, money stress, it's in your body. You can feel the anxiety. And I do a lot of processes in the book to help us understand what's underneath the hood and might be preventing us from really attracting the level of uh, wealth that we want. But it's an energetic shift inside of us that we're working for, which is why invoking is important. And I think especially with money, Corinne. I think this is so important because a lot of people are hung up about money, never mind not having it, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, you can, uh, and, and, and you know, when I talk about angels, generally I, I talk to a few of my friends about also your book and just the idea, you know, the, the, the typical bounce back questions are, so, okay, those people, you know, trapped uh, in now in, in Turkey and in Syria and died because of the earthquake. What about the war in the Ukraine? So can they just sit there and invoke they are angels, and then all of a sudden, somehow pivot their life to something better. How mm-hmm. how do you you know how do you deal with when it comes to very hairy issues, money that for a lot of families people is a taboo or something bad, yeah, or something mm-hmm. that you just you just cannot believe that you can potentially invoke, but it's more negative than a positive connotation. War, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of disaster. How do you how do you circle that in for people that just go nah? Just leave me alone with this because it cannot be true. Otherwise, X, Y, Z wouldn't be the case or everybody could just unplug themselves from a disaster. Yeah. Um, I'm not kind of in the mode of trying to convert people. I think people have a right to just be who they want to be. And and, uh, I try not to, you know, impose whatever, but I just know that uh, I'm, I'm doing work to, whoever's interested, come and listen, give it a shot if you feel it in your body. So usually with people that are very shut down, I I don't really mind. But the thing is, when I meet people face to face, especially when I was doing a lot of one-on-one practice, there's a lot of atheists that would come, right? And I remember, you know, one of the first feedbacks I got when working with one of my first atheists, she 
emailed me two days later and said, thank you for introducing me to God because she could feel it. She could feel it. And all of these wild things started happening for her. So it's like through people's own experience. But if you're shut down, you're shut down. It's like, don't waste your time. But some people are just curious, you know, and that's, and all we need is a slight open mind for it. Now, addressing uh, the the great atrocities, I'm not here to uh, spiritually bypass the fact that life sucks a lot of times and that life is atrocious and for a lot of people and the inequities are vast people some people are born into bodies you know in my case i'm a brown woman that was raised without cash no we were poverty so some of us are born into situations that are atrocious that we don't have access this is why i love angels (laughs) and love working with spirit because it helps us hack a system and hack inside of ourselves to drop the crap that we've, you know, drunken in and believe differently about ourselves. So we cannot, uh, like if we're in a war-torn environment, uh, it's war-torn, okay? It's not just about, I'm just going to invoke. It, for me, and with the, we cannot, you know, the ups and downs in life are real. That's why we're in these bodies. We're in these bodies. We cannot control that. But what we can do is uh, support our inner state through any any situation and we can ask for protection we can ask for these things and i believe that a lot of a lot of that works sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but uh i know from working with folks for uh, tens of thousands of people all over the world now that it helps a lot of people and that is significant enough for me to continue my work no absolutely i so agree i don't think that you can ever really change a situation what you can change is of course how you take it or what you yeah. somehow you know how you f- feel it how you experience it and how you move forward and i think the shoha definitely showed from those survivors how each one of them ha- you know that survived then picked up their life after the second world war some were happy writing books having their you know their families and mm. saying look this happened to me and i'm so glad i survived and now i can spread the words others they just had suicidal you know they were suicidal they couldn't they couldn't deal and i think this is also quite a bit due to how you're born when you're when you're more lucky then you are more positive and you know then more negative optimism pessimism is so overused but there is a basic dna if somebody's maybe a little bit more introvert or extrovert more positive mm-hmm. go like happy go lucky the other one oh no everything is a problem or a threat that mm-hmm. is then already the basis how you would react to a war, how you would react being in the situation of everything falls apart because of uh, natural disasters, uh, or, you know, you're out of money. So there are those people that are out of money and always blaming, yeah, my parents, or like my family, or my boss, or the tax, or whatever. And then are those mm-hmm. are like, okay, life sucks, as you were saying, what can I do about it? How can mm-hmm. I feel about it to motivate myself maybe to somehow react differently and then change just my universe, just my universe, not the universe, yeah, but yeah. my universe. Yeah, because I, I, I do think like great grief happens, especially for sensitive folks, because we are in tune with the fact that so many people are suffering and it is important to look at okay the whole world there's a large percentage of folks that are struggling but what's just my part what's what what can i do and what's just my part as opposed to feeling overwhelmed and just learning each person here has their own rule and their own medicine. And the more that we learn how to listen to that role and step into that role, the more that we're doing our work, doing the work for no, the greater good. Absolutely. And again, it's not to be judged. Those that do that, great. Those that don't do that, that's also great. If they come yeah. to another, you know, this is, you know, my 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 conversations here on Mentory TV are just because you're mentioning curious, you know, is my tagline, stay curious. I just want to know. And then no mission or nothing. Some resonate, some things resonate, others yeah. don't. And this is how we eclectically go through life, hopefully mature. Exactly. At, at some point, that's kind of like... Exactly, right. exactly. And leave folks alone because yeah. I just feel like not everybody is dialed into, not, not everybody came into their body to pursue spiritual pursuits. Like, so I, I'm not a, a huge fan of forcing stuff down, like it, it, people's net. We don't need it. You know, if they don't need it, they don't. I do. 
And some people do, but you know, to each their own. I love it. I love the diversity of this planet, the diversity. I've learned so much from, from everyone has medicine. So I just love experiencing other people's medicine. They don't have to believe things that I believe or that I yeah. experience at all. Yeah, that um, is, that is. I think, very interesting what you're saying. It makes me think about the difference between religion and being spiritual. Sometimes I get the feeling, you know, you're given a religion outside. And, yes. you know, my Kabbalah teacher, for example, he says to me, we don't spread Kabbalah. People come to us when they when they are ready, when they need. Same yeah. thing with angels. You know, you start feeling uncomfortable saying, I cannot go on like this. And you start, you know, kind of sucking at straws or pulling at straws. I don't know how you say that correctly in English yeah, or American yeah. English. Is is but it is you making that effort. It is you going out searching and then potentially finding or not, depending. Yeah. Two, I don't want to give away what is in this great book, but, you know, two or three most important things you want to highlight in our conversation be before I come to the last question of, of our great conversation. Okay. Well, I think when it comes to the book, I, I just want to stress that that book, the angels had me write that for people who um, are heart-centered and want to feel more empowered financially, perhaps they have blocked themselves from believing differently about money. Maybe you know you've had issues your whole life. Um, and I set it up in a way where we can really explore uh, the inner workings of our beliefs and feelings around money and give you solutions to help you clear and shift that energy. At the end of the book, it's an 11-day ritual that really supercharges and super boosts your ability to bring in cash. But I do want to say Every book that I write and everything that I offer is designed to help us find inner wealth. And it's through this inner wealth. This particular book is to help us really attract actual cash. Um, but the steps in there are laid out to help us ex find the wealth inside of our heart uh, as well. Absolutely. And I think anybody open to even try it is already one step in that direction that you were just saying yeah. about the yeah. inner wealth. Yes. Okay, Corinne, la last question. What's your perfect day? Mm, I think my perfect day um, is a, a very uh, inspired day. And each day would have some diversity in it. But my perfect day is one where I just feel that, you know, I can feel love and uh, where it feels inspired and where I'm able to create spaciousness in my calendar to be present for the people that love me and uh, my children and those people that I serve. I'm a bit creative, so I love having a really inspired day where I get to write and, and do a ritual. I love going outside to do ritual and to, to pray. Um, so it's really the quality that I like to feel is inspired and connected to the people that I love and to, to the spirit world. Beautiful. Thank you for being so open and frank about everything. Thank you so much for your work. Honestly, it takes an enlightened one that then says, hey, listen, this work for me. I want to, you know, bring it to whoever is in need and be open-minded, hearted enough to really take the great gift you, you're spreading. So thank you so much for your work. And thank you for being ah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I, yes, I, I think it's more like you, you got to be a little crazy in order to, to, to let yourself go down these roads. That's good. I crazy, know. Cr crazy is good. Crazy is like the new black, right? You know, we, <laughs> yeah, like Weird is the new black. I, I'm into it. So I'm into it now. It took me a little convincing in the beginning. So I, I definitely um, invite other people to the to the trough. <laughs> Fab, fabulous, you know. And if you don't like it, you pivot. That's the thing. You know, nothing exactly. is forever in that sense. So thank you so much, Corinne. Corinne Grillo, um, Angel Wealth Magic. That's her latest book. Uh, if you're open-minded, interested, I thought it was a very interesting read for somebody to come out with a book saying, hey, if you want cash, this is the manual. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and I and I work in finance. I thought, OK, what am I going to really? do? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I going to be at a crossroad or not? But anyway, that's another conversation altogether. Thank you so much, Corinne. 
and uh, all the best to you. Thank you. And thank you, my dear Mentory TV community. I hope you enjoyed my conversation. Very frank, very deep, very personal conversation also about Corinne Grillo's own path, how she got where she is right now, and quite a bit of vision there as well. And I love the way she described also her perfect day. So I want to wish you a perfect day. Stay curious, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Together, go out there. Together, we begin to share. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs>